1: Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash AI for all. The Pittsburgh Steelers' run game has been terrible the last few seasons. But where does it stand now? As we approach training camp, as we approach off-season activities. In 2022. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. The Steelers made major investments in their run game. In 2021, they drafted Najee Harris in the first round. He became their starting running back and one heck of a starting running back, setting rookie records for the Pittsburgh Steelers in rushing. Harris is a fantastic young back and to really look at the strengths and weaknesses of this running back room we have to start and really dig into Najee Harris I'm going to list his strengths and then we'll go into his weaknesses after that his number one strength in my mind is his vision he has very good vision not Le'Veon Bell vision right? And he, he, he's a different running style than Le'Veon Bell. He's not that patient, you know, wait, you know, stand behind a blocker and wait to see, you know, what opens up. Harris isn't that style of a runner, and frankly, doesn't have that opportunity with the linemen he has. But he has really good vision. You will find, if you go on Twitter, clips on Twitter or pictures That'll show Najee Harris cutting one direction, and there's a big gaping gaping hole on the left, and he's running to the right, and they're like, This guy has terrible vision. Well, that's not accurate. It really isn't. Uh, Because you don't just run up to the line and look for where there's the most space and run through it. That's not how running back works. Those aren't always open lanes. Space doesn't always mean opportunity. You have to read as a running back. You have to read the flow of the play. You have to read leverage on blocks. Uh, you have to know the blocking assignments of your blockers and, and where they're trying to get to, what they're trying to do. If they're losing, what's their job when they're losing that block? Which way do they? You know, what what do they do when they are losing a block? So that you can still Try and gain yards. Leverage is simply, if I'm blocking, if I'm the blocker and I'm blocking a defender, like if I have my left hand in the center of their chest and my right hand on the outside of their right arm, that of, of their which would be their left arm flipped my way, but on my side, my right side, I've got my right arm on the outside of their arm. The arm that I have my hand outside of is done. I can control it. If the running back runs off my right side, that guy I'm blocking can't do anything about it unless I just you know absolutely fail the block at that moment. But if I only have my left hand in their chest, their right arm is free. If that play goes to my left towards their free right arm, there is nothing I can legally do to stop that defender. Because I, c- I don't have him controlled, I would have to just simply pull on it. And you're likely to get called for holding there. Plus, that free arm can reach out. Most most NFL players have sort, slightly under three feet arm length, three foot of arm length, especially on the defensive line. So that's a yard that they just have covered with that arm. That's not shifting their weight and moving. That's not turning. That's just saying they have that covered. So if you imagine a gap of five feet, Right? That's pretty impressive on, t- on, a, on a still image. It looks amazing. Like, whoa, there's this huge hole. But if the two guys, if the defenders on either side of that hole have their inside arms, the arms to that gap, free, that's not a hole. That's not a rushing lane. It's covered. Even though you've got five feet of space. You would want the running back to run off the side where the leverage is, where the arm is controlled. So this is this is all just responding to a couple arguments I've had on Twitter where people have shown still pictures of a of a taken from one moment in a run play and said, "Look how bad Najee Harris's vision is." And if you've seen those, they can be convincing. If you just look at it, take it at face value and say, wow, there's a big space there. When you understand more about it is when you can look at it and say, you know what, that doesn't tell us what we need to know. Najee Harris can fit through a six-inch gap between two linemen if they've got their defenders, you know, controlled on that side. So that gap is clear of defensive interference, but it's only six inches. On the other side, if there's five feet but those defenders aren't controlled that's less opportunity than those six inches over there you also have to you have to follow your play you have to follow your blocks where you're supposed to go and see where the lanes open up you can't just run wherever you think is going to be open that you you end up with holding penalties you end up with offensive linemen who stop following their you know their actual assignments to just block whatever because they don't know where the running back's going, it's a quick way to get benched. It's a quick way to be out of the NFL. You do have to run the play. Does Najee Harris miss opportunities? Yes, he does, of course. At the speed of an NFL play with everything going on, he can't sit there and look at the All-22 film, rewind it, play it again in slow motion, watch the leverage evolve, and, and figure out the exact right lane to run it. No one gets that chance when they're actually on the field, but I can tell you Najee Harris has really, really good vision. He finds gaps. He finds places to go. It doesn't always work, but he does it better than most running backs in the NFL. Next up is his power, his ability to break and evade tackles. You don't Just tackle Najee Harris. if, If you're listening to this, you probably watched the games last year. You don't need me to tell you. If if you are questioning Najee Harris's ability to break tackles, go watch highlights. Go watch any game. Go watch him lose a yard on a play where he breaks four tackles. Right? He is tough to bring down. He fights for every blade of grass. He runs through arms tackles. He bounces off hits. He stiff arms defenders into the ground. He's fantastic. When you're talking about running with power. One of his biggest strengths with his power, in my view, is his first step. When he is just getting going, right? He doesn't need multiple steps to get moving quickly or to get power behind his running. We can contrast that with a running back, Hall of Fame running back, absolutely phenomenal running back and then by the name of Jerome Bettis, who was an absolute freight train once he got moving, but was always vulnerable in his first few steps before his momentum got going. You can you watch film on him. He he did. He would get, you, you know, if they let a linebacker go down and get by his feet, even a safety, get to his feet in the backfield, Bettis really struggled. Najee Harris doesn't struggle like that, right? Now, now if you gave Jerome Bettis a lane to run through he ran with power speed elusiveness he was I mean there's a reason he's in the hall of fame he was incredible once he got moving he was just unstoppable the reason you call him the bus you don't stop him uh Najee Harris doesn't have that you know once I get going I'm running all over you you don't see Najee Harris ripping off the big gains Bettis would uh I'm not trying to say Najee Harris is better than Jerome Bettis. Don't don't put that on me. Uh, But Najee Harris has that first step. Where if he gets one step in a direction, he's really hard to bring down. Or if if a hole opens up, one step in that direction, and he's moving quick. Not fast not sprinter speed he's not a home run threat like that but you know one step boom he's moving good enough to get through that hole he's running quick and strong right off the bat another strength of his is his route running again he's not Le'Veon on bell he's not one of these small receivers playing running back you know kind of guys you're not going to confuse him for a wide receiver but he's a great running route runner for a running back similarly his hands For a running back, he is great catching the football. Uh, It also, we have to bring up the fact that, you know, fumbles. And fumble. So he's got really good hands. Those are the positives for Najee Harris. He can be a three-down back. He can be a weapon in the passing game. He can be a weapon in the running game. He is a fantastic lead running back getting most of your carries. He is exactly the guy you want. To base a big-time run game around. Let's get into his weaknesses. Uh, This is going to be a shorter section, as you can imagine. Weaknesses: his top speed. He is not going to torch defenses. He's not going to be breaking away and outrunning everybody. He's not slow. He's not a speed guy. He's not a game-breaking speed guy. That's not how he works. Plus, if he did do that, he wouldn't get to throw defensive backs on the ground with those stiff arms. So... You know, it's okay that he's not super fast. Uh, Another weakness is his blocking. Najee Harris was, I mean was, somewhere between bad and awful as a blocker during his rookie season. He did show flashes of potential. He did improve some over the season. But overall, even at the end of the season, it was still bad. He was still bad at blocking. So that is a thing to watch for coming into this season. That's the thing most likely to change, in my opinion. From all of these attributes I listed, the one most likely to change is blocking. You, that's That can improve. With that, you can see Najee Harris is like a bell cow back. The Steelers don't have to worry about do they have a real number one, a true number one running back. They got him. His name's Najee Harris. He's phenomenal. Around him, though, is the question mark. Uh, before I go to the second half of the show, I do want to cover the fullback. The Steelers' fullback is last year and currently is Derek Watt. Derek Watt is solid enough as a fullback. But Derek Watt doesn't offer enough to be worthy of much playing time at all. He's a solid blocker as a fullback. Solid enough as an H-back. Can catch the ball if he's wide open. Uh, can run the ball if you give him the, the ball in the backfield he can run in that straight line if the play is there and is blocked and it's clear he can get you there. He's you know he's he's given you similar to what any you know mainly a blocker fullback will give you. I don't think he's a top-tier blocker, but he's very good. He's primarily here to be a special teams captain. He's dang good at that. And he gives you a fullback, you need a fullback, even if it's a position you don't use. It makes sense to me that the Steelers, instead of going out and signing like a veteran linebacker who would be primarily a special teams player, and then also having to sign a fullback, paid one player a little bit more to fill both of those roles. Right? If you can get your fullback and you can get your special teams ace in one spot, not two, you freed up a roster spot and that's worth a decent little bit of money. Right? That's worth a little bit of premium over what it would cost, even to have those two players be separate positions, like a veteran minimum fullback and a you know above veteran minimum, but still lower priced special teams ace linebacker. Consider if you look at the deal Tyler Matakevic got, you know, a Derek Watts deal, it makes sense. It makes sense. You're not sitting there having a guy who has no sp- place on the roster and then having to fulfill and having to keep you know a fullback that's just not going to play any more than Derek Watt plays. So it makes sense. it's not it's not as bad a contract as people make it out to be because you have to look at the economics of roster building to see his value of holding two places on one salary. Derek Watt can be used anytime you want to put a player on the field who is simply a blocker but the problem is for him, He's not as good a blocker as Zach Gentry. So he didn't get on the field last year much at all. Like he why would he play? You've, you've got a guy who's better than him. And Najee Harris doesn't need a fullback. One of the big questions coming into this offseason is Connor Hayward. Can he take Derek Watts' spot? There are routes for and, and possibilities for Connor Hayward to create a spot for him to you know, produce on this team, get snaps, and also be productive, get the ball, get, get on the field on offense. Fullback isn't high on that list. Real quick, I'm going to go through his path to making the roster, Connor Hayward's way to get snaps and to touch the football. And for me it goes like this, primarily special teams. He's got to show he can play special teams, show that that's not just in college, that he's going to be an NFL special teamer. I think he'll do well there. Second part is the number three tight end. The Steelers don't have a number three tight end, but they dressed a number three tight end. That is a roster position. That is a player who doesn't just get on the roster. They are active on game days, more weeks than not, and they get snaps. The Steelers played three tight ends on offense in a game something like nine of their 17 weeks last year. So number three tight end, that's his big, big spot. Number three, tight end naturally leads to the H-back role. A blocker who's off the line, behind the line, not not quite a fullback, kind of a tight end, can move around, can be a receiver. That's a position he can move into. That's number three on this list. Number four is fullback. I don't know if he'll get the fullback spot. I, I think we'll see Derek Watt on this team one more year. With the idea that he's gone after that and Connor Hayward can take his spot and bring even more than Derek Watt brought. But he hasn't shown it yet. He's not played fullback before. Now people look at Connor Hayward and say, can he be a backup running back? Uh, he, he could be in a pinch. Could be a guy you put in there. Uh, but I expect his running production to be from H-back. if. You may not, you may some. a lot of people may not remember this from last year, but in 2021, Eric Ebron ran for a touchdown. On a run play, a designed run play, Eric Ebron ran for a touchdown. He was the number three tight end in that play. He was the H back. And they did that little like shovel kind of play where he Ben Turn handed it off. Boom, Eric Ebron's in the end zone. Touchdown. We could see. Connor Hayward, getting the ball in those positions, we can see you can envision him blocking from an H back spot, in motion, moving across the field. If you remember Pat Fryermuth coming across the field on a run play and just just jacking up a defensive end or a linebacker, Connor Hayward could do that, right? Why well, ask Pat Fryermuth to do that? You've got a Connor Hayward. If you're going, you know, with an extra tight end, he could be your guy. I think that is how we see Connor Hayward used this year. And, and to point it out, to leave you with this, uh, KT Smith has cocked quite a decent bit about how Matt Canada is putting together pieces that are reminiscent of the 2016 Pitt Panther offense. And Connor Hayward is reminiscent of a player from that team, a guy by the name of George Aston. In 2016, George Aston touched the ball 44 times, 22 runs, 22 receptions. He scored 10 touchdowns, 5 rushes, 5 receptions. He ran in all kinds of situations, as a fullback, as an H-back, in motion, you know, little sneak trick plays, all kinds of ways. He did the same as a receiver. We could see that kind of role carved out for Connor Hayward without him taking the fullback job from Derek Watt. There is room on this roster for Derek Watt and Connor Hayward and for Connor Hayward to still be a guy who touches the ball and gets snaps. All right, that is the first half of our show. In the second half, we're going to talk everyone else, all the rest of the run game, outside of those three people, Najee Harris, Derek Watt, and Connor Hayward, that we talked about in this first half of the episode. So stay tuned. We'll take a short break, and I'll talk to you in a minute. Welcome back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. There's lots of podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Uh, Some of my favorites recently have been Matty Peverell's War Room, as he goes through and looks at all of the Steelers draft picks in depth. Bringing up all kinds of stats and odds and and great Th- things that have caught me off guard. He he's come out with a couple of uh, little nuggets of, of insight that that have caught me off guard and made me go back to watching film to see if it to see if it, the stats show up on film. Uh, he he covered Kenny Pickett and he covered George Pickens and his most li- recent one. He's going to continue going through. You're getting to Calvin Austin Jr. All these guys, Calvin Austin the third. Sorry. All the different draft picks. Go check out Maddie Peveril's work in the War Room. Uh, Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride from Monday morning here on the 16th uh, had Hunter Homestack on board. That's another one to check out. That's a great interview. It was a great time. Uh, that's a that's a great show to, to, to check out. First half of this show, we talked about Najee Harris, Derek Watt, and Connor Hayward. For the rest of the show, I want to talk about the other running backs in the room. Or maybe the lack of another running back in the room. In 2021, Najee Harris had by far the most carries. He, I believe he led the league in touches as a rookie. Led the entire NFL. You don't want that kind of load on him every year. They want to reduce that load. And that desire to reduce a load showed up when they hired Pat Meyer as their offensive line coach, who I've talked about before on this show when I was was talking about those coaching hires, is a guy who consistently, when he has gone to a team, has split the running back load up better between multiple backs, including several stops where he has gone to a team, with a Pro Bowl running back who was healthy. Following a big season, a big-time Pro Bowl season, went to the team, split up carries, and those running backs went back to a Pro Bowl with a significantly reduced workload. Still made the Pro Bowl. He did that for LaShawn McCoy. He did it for... uh, Oh, I just lost his name in... uh, on the Chargers. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon on the Chargers. He was there. He also shows up for having many of the quarterbacks who play for him that aren't pure rushing quarterbacks recording the most rushes of their career. So he is a guy who spreads the football around. Oftentimes there's you know the, the a faster, speedier guy, and then a more you know bell cow back. They've shown that they wanted to go in that direction. But we're sitting here after the draft. They didn't add a big-time free agent. They didn't add a, a good veteran running back. They didn't add a change of pace guy. They went through the entire draft. They added, they added Connor Hayward. But he's not going to be a running back on this team. I, I I can see why people think, hey, you know, maybe he's the running back too. Maybe that's what they're looking at. No. First off, he's not that good of a running back. He really isn't. That you're going you're gonna to take him and put him above people who are more successful running backs. You're not going to pick him to be that guy. The Steelers need another running back to step up and be that guy or a couple of guys who can take carries away from Najee Harris, especially in a season where the Steelers are likely going to try and reduce the number of passes thrown. You're going to need a second running back, maybe even a third running back to carry significant loads so that Najee Harris is not just getting ground down in his second year. Nobody wants that. The players on the roster, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, being the major two that have been his backups, have been the backup running backs here, haven't been so good, right? But when you look a little deeper, there may be some potential there. Let's start with Benny Snell. Benny Snell has not been the most impressive, but there was a time in 2019 When the Steelers' offense consisted of Benny Snell, James Washington, and Devlin Hodges. Right? And the Steelers were winning football games, with those three being their primary offensive options. Benny Snell, James Washington, Devlin Hodges. Devlin Hodges was out of the NFL after 2019, was off the Steelers, didn't play another snap in the NFL, played in Canada for a bit, retired. He's done with football. James Washington, team let him go. Benny Snell, his carries have been reduced every single season since 2019. But in that 2019 season, he was producing in small bits here and there. He was producing. In the five games where Benny Snell was the primary rusher in 2019, he rushed for 368 yards on 88 rushes. That's 4.18 yards per carry. That's better than we've seen from our main running backs the last couple of seasons. In the two in the week 1 of 2020, James Conner was hurt, Benny Snell came in, ran for 113 yards on 19 carries. As the Matt Canada offense, the Matt Canada inspired run game started. Week 15 of 2020, he had 84 carries on 84 yards on 18 carries later in the season. All in all in the 8 games that Benny Snell has received 15 or more carries he has 141 rushes for 635 yards and 3 touchdowns in those 8 games that's 4.5 yards per carry and 80 yards a game by the way that's more that are that's more yards per game than Najee Harris averaged in 2021 now of course I understand I'm cherry-picking the games where he played more. And there are probably games involved in there where he got the ball more because he was running well. And there are games that I can definitely point to where he got the ball several times, did nothing with it, and the Steelers stopped giving him the ball in 2020. They just went away from there like, nope, it's not working, give it to someone else. But we've seen flashes, We'll go back to Benny Snell here in a moment. The other running back, Anthony McFarland, in the very first game he played in 2020, he was not here in 2019, he was a rookie in 2020, his first game, week three, he ran the ball six times for 42 yards in his first game. Average of seven a touch. After that week, he ran 30 more times for 74 yards, about two and a half yards per touch. Not good. It's easy to look at those guys and say, oh, yeah, they got figured out, or they had one good game where no one knew what they did, no one knew what their strengths and weaknesses were, and a, a few decent performances. When you look deeper into the season, you look into, you break the season down by what's going on around the team outside of these guys, they were productive when the Steelers' offense had defenders backing off the line early 2020 before teams figured out that the Steelers passing game was quite limited and that they weren't going to be able to connect on shots down the sidelines and so they just started playing cover one and loading the box when they were playing cover two and cover three against the Steelers Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell were solid backup running backs since that time ended, about just under halfway through the 2020 season, and teams really started rewriting how they defended the Steelers to be all about cutting off slant passes, loading the box against the run, and making Ben Ro- and, and you know making Ben Roethlisberger make quick passes in crowded areas, or chuck it deep and hope for the best, without having the time really to sit back there and, and let those routes develop. Before that happened, they were successful. After defenses adapted, they were not. And it wasn't just McFarland and Snell. I've heard a lot of people say we should have brought back James Conner if we could have. Like It would be, be great if we had him because he's a better backup. Well, James Conner actually had very similar results. His productivity dropped off a cliff once teams realized how limited the Steelers' offense was in 2020. The run game disappeared. We have two running backs, especially Anthony McFarland. Anthony McFarland was only on the roster for a few games when he was on a team that had a a well-functioning offense that was conducive to running the ball. That's it. After that, it was overloaded boxes and offensive linemen, you know, the injuries causing uh, causing the run game to absolutely fall apart. My point here is that looking at what the sealers have done this offseason, they have not prioritized a second running back, bringing in a better backup running back. They have shown signs that they do intend to at least try and take some carries off of Najee Harris both with their words and with their hirings and their moves. Now, in the Matt Canada system, a wide receiver, Chase Claypool, uh, an H-back, like potentially Connor Hayward, a quarterback, these guys can all be your number three, number four, number five rusher. They can take some carries off of the running back. But you still need a number two Maybe even a number three running back. The Steelers seem to be invested in the idea that if their offense is better, they're able to run the entire Matt Canada offense. Right? We're going to let Matt Canada do his thing and really get into it so, so that there's more diversity. Right in the actual run plays. It's not all inside zone, which is what we saw late last year with, the, with some injuries taking place on the offensive line, the offensive line wasn't mobile enough, the quarterback wasn't mobile enough, and you really were very limited in the type of running plays the Steelers were going on with. And they just basically relied on Najee Harris to make everything happen. If the run, if the run blocking has improved, if the scheme and the execution of that scheme has improved. If the passing game creates enough threat that teams can't just overload the box and jump the run game all the time, Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane could give the Steelers options as backup running backs. But the Steelers haven't put all of their eggs in that basket. The Steelers have two running backs that came in This offseason that are worth considering Jalen Warren I believe he was a rookie tryout camp and is currently listed as on their roster I believe he was signed there he is a smaller back very productive one out of Oklahoma State he transferred to Oklahoma State and was immediately named a captain that's impressive. That's that can show you why they're interested in a guy for his character. Clearly, he showed enough as a runner to stick around for training camp, for camps, and for, for the later camps, and outside of just the rookie tryout. We'll see what he has to offer. Mateo Durant out of Duke is a shiftier running back. He could be a great complement to Anaji Harris. They do have options. Not options with pedigree, not high price, not serious investments in this position, but they do have some options. However, the Steelers still look like a team, despite what they've said, despite everyone knowing you can't just overload Najee Harris like that again. They're in a situation where if Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland Show up and are the same players they were before. Mateo Durant and Jalen Warren, you know, are the players teams thought they were when they passed on them all the way through the draft. Then the Pittsburgh Steelers could be looking and hoping that Najee Harris can repeat his rookie season and be the guy for the entire year. Hopefully, that's not the case because. This, is a pod, this podcast is about the Steelers running back position and their strengths and weaknesses. Currently, as we sit, the strength, the strength of the Steelers running back room is Najee Harris, and the weakness is everyone else. And if that continues, this team is one twisted ankle away from their offense falling apart for a game or two. Or if worse, if there's a more serious injury, just absolutely falling apart. The offense will not run. If you look at the offense last year, if it's similar, man, Najee Harris was that offense. Without Najee, that offense fell apart. That is it for my show today. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, and as always, go Steelers.